Hello, we're back with our series on testimonies of lament. We've been wanting to do this to look at our testimonies in such a way that we see that they're not all just polished up great stories, but within our lives we have these twists and turns and difficult moments that are really valuable for us and to share. And They're not easy, but they're important, and that's why we're doing this. And today, really excited to have Laura Vero Kelly with us. Hey, I... I'm originally from Fleet in Hampshire, so if anyone's there, shout out. It's a very small town though, so you probably don't know. But I'm currently a third year ordinand studying at Trinity College Bristol. So basically I'm training to be a vicar within the Church of England, which I find incredibly exciting. Um, Really great to be at Trinity as well. It's been an amazing three years. I'm at the point now where I've just had my curacy confirmed, so my next stage of training which will be in a church so we're moving to south bristol to a place called knoll so we're really excited to move to there and i'm just currently mid essays at the moment i feel really thankful that you've asked me to do this to be able to share this story and i hope that it will reach and touch people in who are maybe going through a similar circumstance but i also just want to say from the start that my story of lament other people will relate to and agree with but also what I say doesn't mean that how you're reacting right now is wrong and we all react differently this is just my experience and that I hope that will hopefully give words to people or allow people to feel like they can relate to something I think when we talk about stories of lament sometimes I've sat and been like oh no I haven't I haven't dealt with it like that. So, um, yeah, just to say from the off start that if anyone's going through something similar, then uh, your experience and what you're feeling is really valid. Um, But for me, this story of lament is, a, I would say, an everyday reality for me of dealing with grief specifically. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is my story of grief. So when I was eight years old, my dad passed away um, after a long battle with cancer and he was in hospital for a good couple of years before this so I think life had had shifted and changed a lot for us as a family where it became very focused in hospital life didn't feel very normal for an eight-year-old at all but in a way it was the only normal that I knew it was it was my current reality and um, when my dad passed away in the year 2000 I think I always remember that time with real strangeness because first of all, it was the year 2000 and it was, it was the millennium. It was this really exciting time and I, and I remember the New Year's Eve parties and stuff like that. But I also remember having this almost inner battle within me of like, I don't know what my next year is going to look like. It's not this exciting millennium that everybody else seems to be hyping up in a way. And I think for me as an eight-year-old and coping with their dad dying and what that looked like, I think that came across in loads of different ways and it and expressed itself in loads of different ways. But I would say for me, my main my main coping mechanism as an eight-year-old at that time was just bury and suppress these feelings and put on this mask that everything is okay, that nothing's gone wrong. I almost couldn't deal with the utter tragedy that had happened. I almost couldn't process that. I couldn't come to terms with that. And it might sound weird, but I just, I hated my mum and sister being sad. I just, I hated that, watching them cry and, and all of that sort of thing. And 
and now I recognize that was just my I couldn't cope and I couldn't I couldn't reconcile what was happening in my life and so I very much pushed it down and I would say that was probably the trajectory of what happened then from almost like from my gut reaction in that moment that dictated then how I dealt with everything else in life which was very much bottle it up put a face on that everything's going to be okay and yeah and I've had to address that in in years to come but the story of my grief is really wrapped up in my story of faith so it's it's almost has like a an amazing side to it a, a side where I believe that God somehow takes something ugly and terrifying and horrible and turns it mm. into something good and when my dad was really ill was when we started going to church and um we went to this and it's well it's still there <laughs> but um we went to this amazing baptist church in fleet and it just scooped my family up in the most beautiful way and i remember when i first went i remember thinking oh you just have to do this because my dad's dying like we everyone just has to go to church i i just like kind of didn't really get it Although I would absolutely 100% say that I knew God before this moment, even though I didn't grow up in church. And I, and I put that to my grandparents who were really strong Christians and gave me a Bible when I, was, when I was born. And I would write letters to God in that Bible. So I believe from a young age, I have known God, um, but I didn't know anything about him. I didn't understand it. I just, but I, I've never doubted his existence in that way. So coming to church was this kind of like amazing moment of then understanding who God was. But for an eight-year-old who was just dealing with grief in, in whatever way they could, church was this amazing community full of people that like I could just hang out with and being one of the biggest extroverts ever, it was just amazing to hang out with people my age on a Sunday and just, yeah, kind of get to know people. And it wasn't until my teens that I would say my faith became really real for me that I developed a personal relationship with Jesus and I think in terms of from kind of my my teens to going to college and university I think what was beginning to become really obvious that was that I just hadn't dealt with grief in any way I hadn't you know even ever seen a counsellor for example which I think is really important in these times. I hadn't properly spoken to anyone. I had just suppressed, suppressed, suppressed it all. And it would come out in the like almost most ugliest, horriblest moments of real extreme emotion. And then would almost be like the next day, like nothing had happened. And I, and I just didn't know how to express it. I didn't know how to express grief. And I felt uncomfortable when other people express grief I don't know what it was mm. it just made me feel uncomfortable inside just because I in my eight-year-old self I probably just wanted everyone to be happy and for us all to carry on as normal I think one of the big catalyst events for me in in trying to address this issue in my sort of adult life was my sister's wedding which was incredible and up until this moment I had realized that on big events so even like Christmas or birthdays my graduation for example when you approach these events when someone has died close to you whether it's a parent a partner or brother or sister when you approach these events again there's always a sadness that you suddenly realize they won't be there mm -hmm. and you're like oh man and it's almost like dealing with that grief afresh every time every celebration it's like it would be so much better if they were here and I think 
that was something that I really held. And so what I did was that then I raised the expectation of that event to like tenfold. Like, no, 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 I can make this better. That I can make it just the same. I can be like the happiest I've ever been. I can be the most cheerful I've ever been. Like, I will not show sadness that my dad isn't here because we can make it almost even better. Like, it doesn't matter that he's not here. And that was very much how I approached major events in life was like almost went quite hyper and extreme and all those things and um when I approached my sister's wedding which was like you know I I wanted to be on top form for that I was like I have to think about this I have to think about how high I raise my expectations and I suddenly realized and I really believe it was like one of these god moments where I the phrase came to mind bittersweet and this is something that I've clung to now in that actually I felt like God say, Laura, life is bittersweet in that there is so much sweetness in your life. Um, your sister's getting married. Um, I, I'm married. My wedding day, um, my graduation day. There's so much sweetness in your life, but it comes with a bitterness that your dad isn't there. And one is an mutually exclusive they have to work together you have to be able to combine them that actually lower those expectations accept that there'll be parts of the day that are sad that your dad isn't there but you can still savor the sweetness of what that is and I feel like that has been like really key for me and how I've tried to cope with life since and seeing how God has actually laced so much sweetness into my life over the years and in a way of where I am now in my life and I look back and there's times that I've I've even thrived in my life that I've even done well in my life mm. there's times where stuff's just gone really well and and I look back and I just give glory to God in those moments because that is him lacing sweetness in my life but that doesn't come without a bitterness and it's good to recognize that my that it's not okay that my dad's here and that's sad because it's a sad, it's a sad thing. Mm. It's a sad thing that happened. So grief looks like now is is living with this bittersweet tension in my life, and sometimes the bitterness is greater than the sweetness. Mm. But at some point, a, a readdressing that balance when it needs to be. I really appreciate you sharing that story, and thanks for sharing. Because I know it's not easy to sometimes talk about that stuff. Yeah. But just a couple things that kind of come to my mind when you're speaking is one of the things is that you're talking about this really beautifully talking about this bittersweetness. Mm. Do you feel that it's equipped you kind of going through this to spot the bittersweetness of what's going on with other people, to mm. be able to see and address other people's suffering and as well as celebrate life with them? How has that affected how you view other people? Yeah, I would say that when people in my life, friends and family have experienced something similar, like a tragedy of losing somebody, prematurely or whatever I feel like that that is the internal battle that happens for a lot of people going through grief initially is you have to adjust to this new normal without someone it's like what the heck is life going to look like now Mm. this person isn't on earth and that just takes so much dealing and processing and I think for for me it's trying to give life to the memory of that person mm. is not being afraid to ask questions is not being afraid to say hey your sister would love this wouldn't she even though she's not here like 
those kind of like snippets of making them real because for someone who's going through grief it's constantly in our heads you're, you're reminded of it every single day and very rarely do people allow you to bring that into to reality in, into the world and I think when somebody gives you that opportunity to do that and that's how that's what I try and do with other people is I is in some ways I try and give them a voice to to the person that they've lost um to remember them to acknowledge that they would have loved something or even just to acknowledge hey it sucks that they're not here right now um and it's yeah trying to provide people with the words I think in some ways yeah that's really good um and also I think you're talking about how kind of that awareness that you needed to look at it and that you had been pushing it down this grief yeah yeah um and I think it's so common we do that in loads of things Mm. and even um Mm. you know obviously this is a huge issue but even in small griefs when something doesn't go well in a day that could be quite small so we just push these things down yeah what were the like the ways that the main ways that kind of helped you navigate that kind of looking at it when you kind of thought, this is it, I'm going to go there. Yeah. What were some of the main tools that really helped you kind of go there? The main thing was when I was working at the church that I worked at before, I prayed regularly with my colleague and it was about being accountable. And mm. and as she got to know my story, and and even this might sound weird, but even as she got to know my dad more, like through me speaking and, and, and me speaking of like memories of him and those yeah. sorts of things. Actually, it was, it was actually recognizing for the first time that this was going on in my head all the time. And it was that, I mean, we would pray every week together cause we would work together and it was all, it was quite intense in some ways. So it was that every week, mm. um, Oh, how, how are you doing? Yeah. And, and, in, and, you know, it's it's interesting that this is even happening now. We're we're recording this in March, and March is the month that my dad died. And so, yeah. there are people I know that will be messaging me because they've been able to know and keep me accountable in this way. And I think what obviously prayer has done as well has allowed God to come and heal me. And I've had I've had sort of big experiential moments of big healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it has just been the daily giving it back to God and allowing him to enter in to the grief um, Mm. that I experience every day and actually talking back to my instinct of pushing it down to saying give it to God quick prayer or I'm I'm a big journaler so I just write everything down Mm. and and just in some way putting God at the centre of your grief and what it is yeah so it sounds like there's a couple different ways, you know, but essential for you was allowing someone to come in yeah. and be there. And be vulnerable with someone. Which is really hard, you yeah. know, especially when you're... Because yeah. grief can look ugly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I have ugly cried a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. like, that is okay. But you... But, like, that's hard to do in front of someone. You can only do that in front of a few people. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for the friends that I can ugly cry with. Yeah. And do you feel like, um, thinking back to those kind of first moments where you let someone in that mm. space of grief, which for some people might be a friend, for some people might be a counsellor. Yeah, yeah, Depending yeah. Depending on who's listening to this, that could be a lot of different people. It could yes. be a, a parent or a loved one or, or spouse, any different people. Did you um, take the risk and did you feel almost that kind of visceral joy that you had done that did it feel mm. like 
Not not you don't know you don't mean like it was hard. Yeah. But did you feel almost like this is so valuable? Like this is a good yeah. thing, or was it hard to to do that? Yeah, both and. It felt like a massive relief. Yeah. It felt like something that I've been storing up for so long was suddenly like somebody else's to share. And because it because it wasn't their dad that had died, it, it wasn't so heavy for them. It was heavy for them to carry in the sense that they loved me and I was their friend. Yeah. But actually, it was, I think as well, one of the things I remember her saying to me in our prayer times, well, I, um, and like, not everybody has these questions, but I remember at that particular time, I was just like, God, why, why my dad? Like, why did this have to happen to me? And I remember her saying, do you know, like, God cries with you when you cry? Like, he grieves that you feel like this. And I was like, ah, yeah. And, like, allowing somebody else to discern God with you and allowing somebody else to hear God's voice for your grief, like, says, like, they they hear stuff, they say stuff that you could never have thought that or or understood that about God. And I think that was the same when I, um, Jack, who's my husband, I remember sort of being like, oh, man, I've got to let him into this big, messy world. Mm. Um, and I was like, I don't even know how to start with that at all. And and just as gradually as, as that happened, I, I think it's just like the, I think he, out of anyone now, sees the everyday reality of grief in that like, mm. sometimes, like the match of the day theme tune. Oh, I could, I'm even getting tears now. Because yeah. like just thinking about that reminds me of my dad. Yeah. And like, and like little, like little cries like that, but then also the big, like the big moments where, I'm really reminded of my dad or I just miss him so much and I think you know dealing with that up and downness of grief um, and allowing Jack to be in that and it's so easy to shut people off and be like no this is mine I don't want you to be part of this but actually as I've learned and it's so hard but I've learned that mm. opening up and allowing people to be in that like you said a friend or a spouse or whoever it is a counsellor allowing people to see every part of you. And that's important for for anything in life, but for grief especially can become very isolating and very your own experience. But allowing the few trusted people in, I think has been really key for me. It also sounds like just allowing God in. Yes, absolutely. So instead of kind of saying, I think why questions are so valuable. Yeah. To say why God, I mean, we have to ask those questions, but also to be able to say, you're with me in this kind of this gray area of, yeah. of, of the unknowing and you can you know be anchored in that yeah um laura i wonder if just to end this um it's been really good chatting with you but there might be people listening to this who are going through grief or yeah. are in the midst of this or different stages i wonder if we could just close in prayer and kind of pray you could say a prayer for just a general prayer for people listening to this who might be in that space who just need need God to be with him in this place yeah I'd love to let's pray Mm. Heavenly Father I thank you that you are our Father that you show and demonstrate us your fatherly love that you embrace us in our grief and God I just want to pray for anyone now who is going through this dark horrible icky time of grief God, I want to pray um, for, for the people that are around them. Lord, would you reveal to them trusted people that they can be vulnerable with? But God, most of all, I pray that you would remind them now that you are with them, 
that you walk with them in everything and that you have gone before them. God, I pray that they would be able to rely and trust on your promises every day. God, we give you the questions, we give you the why. We don't understand why this has to happen, but we do know that you are love and we do choose to trust you in everything. God, come and be with us now where we are walking. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a New Wine England podcast. For more information, visit new-wine.org.